Welcome to yet another episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts, the 55th episode we have put on for all of you. You know how amazing that is? Do you have any idea? Nobody thought we'd make it to the first show, let alone the 20th show or the 40th show. Now we're at the 55th show. I guess we'll have to do something for the uh, the 100th show. I am joined, as always, by Michael, and again, for the first time in what seems like forever, by Beth. Mike and Beth, how are you guys? Hooray, Hi. Beth. Yay! Okay, Glad to be back. Uh, this show is sponsored to you by guess who? Patreon. dot com slash blueshirt banter. If you go to that website, it. you can donate. Yeah, it's you. It could be you. It might not be you if you're not donating. It's not you, but it could be you. If you go to that website, you can donate to us, and if you do, we'll be able to buy things like Skype subscriptions and new microphones, including the one that I am using right now. That makes me sound like I am directly inside of your ear. John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Robert Courtney, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGen, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Lippmann, Dan Lynch, Andrew Grigo? I wonder if I... Andrew, I may have screwed up your name. If I did, I apologize. Stink Fleeman, he really needs to give us his real name. John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zetlowski, Zachary Zetlin, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempna, and Michael Silvers. Thank you all for donating to this page. You make it possible and you make it sound better like right now lots of things to talk about surprisingly that we're in the dog days of summer adam will be releasing his annual prospect rankings from number 38 all the way to number one and i have a funny feeling books nevik shay are not on it because they're technically not prospects anymore um that will be coming starting monday that will run monday to friday at 8 a.m the final two will run Monday and Tuesday of the week after. So get ready for that. There's literally not a better place for comprehensive New York Rangers prospect coverage than that report that Adam usually puts out biannually. But um, I guess things were so devoid of any type of uh, good news in the mid-season rankings that he usually puts out that he did not put them out this year. But that is going to change thanks to Philip Chaito. Damn it! We, we're gonna. I was gonna prepare for this. How do you pronounce his name again, Mike? Keitel. Thought it was what is Keitel. it? Keitel. 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 Like a kite. Flying a kite. Keitel. Keitel. Um, Keitel. And Leah Sanderson obviously signed. We talked about that last week with Tom. So they have added to the Rangers. Now I wouldn't say. You know, it's not as skinny as it was before. The uh, the depth of the uh, prospects. So yes, um, he'll be releasing that. Get ready for that. That is going to be awesome. Uh, in the meantime, a couple of things to talk about. We were going to start with Buchnevich, but maybe we should start with Zabanajad. What do you guys think about that? Whatever you want to do. Are we going to start with Mika? All right, let's start. Let's start with good old Mika. Mika Zabanajad is scheduled to find himself in an arbitration courtroom on 725. 
basically what happens, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, one of our Patreon subscribers reached out and told us that there are a lot of people who are listening that he knows about and he himself who haven't been fans for the longest time in the world. So to kind of go over some of the basics, and I think this is a good opportunity because not everybody understands what arbitration is. Arbitration is an opportunity that is afforded to certain restricted free agents only. It is not an unrestricted free agent move. It is restricted free agents only. You can file for arbitration if you, if you're eligible, it has to do with the amount of games you've played and your service in the NHL, but you still have to be a restricted free agent. Um, you file for arbitration, and basically a court date gets set. You can sign a new contract before arbitration. Some guys sign a new contract literally as they're walking into arbitration. But arbitration is a third-party judge who sits there and says he listens to the case by both sides. And one side asks for X, another side asks for Y. In this case, say the Rangers would say Zabanajad is worth $4 million. Zabanajad would say I am worth $6 million. They negotiate, and since it's player elected, the Rangers can choose a one- or two-year deal at the figure that the judge chooses. Usually it's, it's right in the middle. Um, the reason why you might want to avoid this is because, A, you literally need to sit there like in a court case like Judge Judy and give reasons why the player is not worth as much money as they seem to think they are. And that can cause some bad blood. And the other thing is you kind of lose control of the contract because if you disagree with the ruling, say the, the judge says Zibanejad is worth $6 million and the Rangers say no, he becomes an unrestricted free agent automatically and he can do whatever he wants with that. So um, it is some of the very little leverage that these players get as they are restricted free agents, but um, it is kind of rare to see it happen. Um, Beth, go ahead. Um, so while we're sort of filling in background here, I know you wrote the post about how it would be a bad idea to give him a bridge deal. Um, do they talk those terms in an arbitration hearing or is it strictly amounts of money? It is strictly amounts of money. You can't, when you go into arbitration, it, it's either a one or a two year deal only. That's it. You, there's no other options. And the team only gets, and I hope I'm getting this right. A, a player can file for arbitration or a team can file for arbitration. And I believe if a player files for arbitration, the team has the ability to give them a one or a two year deal at whatever the judge awards the player to be worth. There is no, oh, okay, he agrees with 5 million. We'll give you that for six years. It doesn't work like that. And an example, like Henrik Lundqvist went through arbitration, which I find absolutely shocking the judge said you're worth 4.25 million dollars the rangers signed him to a one-year deal and they signed him to the extension when um nikolai zherdev went through arbitration the judge said i think he was worth like three and a half million dollars and the rangers said no and he walked away well the rangers walked away and he became a free agent so you uh there is no term discussion you can't there, there it's just not in the bylaws it is just a rate of what the player is worth period end of story um, okay. Mike, are you concerned about this right now? Uh, it's. I think it's. It's fair to. If people are concerned, I understand it. Um, we see this really every summer, though. There's always a couple of guys who the deals take a little bit longer, and it's normally guys who are in the position that's a lot like where Zabinajad finds himself. Um, he and his agent, who Larry Brooks was saying apparently that. Mika's agent is his half brother, um, but uh, 
he and his agent know full well or fully well that the Rangers traded Stefan. Uh, they have, you know, Dayarnay on that fourth line. And there's a lot of question marks about the centers. So he knows he's the team's, you know, premier elite first line center. And uh, the thing is, the Rangers also know that he broke his leg and he missed a bunch of time. So, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, kind of a tug of war of what his value could be, which is why I really hope we don't see this end up in the arbitration court. But it's important to point out, you know, Zabinajad isn't the only only guy who finds himself here. There's Ryan Johansson in Nashville, Michael Granlund in Minnesota, uh, Tatar in Detroit, and that one's looking. If you think Zabinajad should make you nervous, you should see the language coming out of uh, Tatar in the uh, the Red Wings camp. It's pretty clear that he's not very pleased with being there, and he'd like to get out. Um, you know, Nitterider and um, is, yeah, it's the other other kind of noteworthy guy who who comes to mind and all those guys have are arbitration eligible so you know last podcast we talked about whether or not we thought mika would be signed by now and uh we were kind of had mixed opinions i don't know what to think of him not being signed just yet i would like to think that this is just a case of like the the finer points of the deal being ironed out. But, you know, frankly, we don't know. Nothing nothing too major has leaked. But it's interesting to hear kind of where people think his his value should fall. Um, you know, I've heard everything from like 4.8 AAV all, all, or average annual value, which is a cap hit, to, you know, upwards of like 5.5. And, you know, I think the longer the term you're going to see, the higher the cap hit because, you're buying more and more years of that unrestricted free agency. Um, and he's a right-handed center that, frankly, has a very high ceiling. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zabinajad gets paid. And the bottom line, and Zabinajad and his agent know this, is that the Rangers need him. There's a, And it's not just an issue of, boy, do they really need him next year. He's He has to be part of the solution for, you know, what's coming next for this Rangers team, because there is no more Derek Stepan. And uh, you can't often find, you know, your franchise first line center and free agency. You know, range, the Rangers have tried to do that in the past and it doesn't always work so well. Uh, there's two aspects of the arbitration process that will more than likely cause freakouts when they're not, they don't merit any freakouts. The first is going to be when Zabanajad asks for more money than he anticipates. Just a little life lesson. You negotiate for more money up front than you want. If he wants $5 million, he's going to ask for $6 million. If you want $6 million, he asks for $7 million. It's just the way that it works. The other thing is, like Mike said, information really hasn't leaked out about the Zabanajad contract negotiations. That's not necessarily rare when it comes to the New York Rangers. It may be it may be rare with other teams, but the Rangers are so good at keeping information close to the vest that these things never leak out. You're never going to hear like, oh, if, the, if you hear information, like if Larry Brooks writes an article on the 24th that says uh, the New York Rangers offered four years, the Banajad wants three years, whatever, the New York Rangers are leaking that information out. That's, it's just the way that it works. The Rangers do not allow information to escape unless they want the information to escape. Something that Tom just reached out to me about on a, a DM 
uh, Tom Ertz, who was on the, uh, the show last week, Zibanejad had recently fired the um, Newport Sports, which is one of the higher-profile agency firms in the NHL, and he left them to be represented by his half-brother. Um, it is a little bizarre to leave a very prestigious firm who can do these types of negotiations for you. I've seen everything from speculation that he wanted to get his brother paid, which I think is more or less where I stand on this. He wants to keep the money in the family. The agent's going to take 10%, may as well be your half-brother, to the agency kicked him out because he was asking for too much money, which is insane. No agency would ever do that. Um, I think that does add a little bit of speculation and, and maybe concern to this, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the New York Rangers and him kind of take their time. And maybe these deals usually end. I'm trying to remember. I think Dubinsky, well, no, Dubinsky went through arbitration. Um, this is way back in the day. A couple of people avoided arbitration. It was like at the very last second. So, you know, there's something there. When Dubinsky went to arbitration, it caused bad blood. It really did. When Henrik Lundqvist went to arbitration, it didn't cause bad blood. Uh, it, it, it happens to be the type of player and the type of situation. And listen, these are emotional guys, and this is an emotional situation for everybody. This is your own team basically telling you this is why you are not worth as much money as you think you are. That's not an easy thing to hear, and it does make these things difficult. So um, furthermore, where do we think Zabanajad is going to land? Mike, you kind of hinted on it. It seems like Rangers Twitter right now is all ablaze with people who are in the camp that I am in, which is that Zabanajad is a player who has – a very high ceiling. He's 24 years old. He had a season. He was on pace for a 57-point season without the injury. He was one of the Rangers' best playoff performers. This is a guy that the Rangers should keep around. I think a bridge deal would be an absolute disaster. The Rangers played this game with JT Miller. They gave him a bridge deal and said, hey, listen, here's the show-me deal. And Miller put up 56 points last year. If he puts up another 56 points or 60 points or 65 points or 70 points, great. It's going to be amazing for the Rangers as they move forward in the regular season. It's going to be terrible for them when it comes to the negotiating table over the summer because Miller's contract just went from maybe $5 million a year to six or seven or whatever it may or may not be. And that's a road that I think the Rangers need to avoid because that whole, oh, we're going to bridge you and then pay you, like the Derek Stepan contract is more expensive than it had to be because the Rangers bridged him. And I get it, Zibanejad was bridged already by Ottawa, but if the Rangers want to give him a show-me contract, that, that's where I draw the line. Beth, where do you fall on that side of the fence? No, I mean, it, that seems perfectly clear to me that, you know, he was electric when he was playing well. He has shown them, I think. I don't know what, at this point, they'd be waiting to see. And, yeah, why, I mean, why put themselves in a position where they're going to have, you know, to give him a contract that he's going to, you know, be old at the end of if they give him a bridge deal this time. I mean, just get stuck in one of those ridiculous eight year things that, you know, come back to haunt you. So, I mean, it seems like a no brainer to me, but I guess it depends on what they're thinking. It really makes me nervous that he's walking into this with a family member instead of a... It doesn't seem like the place to try out a new agent, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, I, I would agree with Beth. That is a little... Um, I think his, his half-brother's name is Monir Kalgoom. Um, you know, I, I don't know anything about him. I'm not sure many people in the hockey world do. But uh, I, the thing... It, it's Maybe it's too convenient to say this, but 
I've been saying this for a little while now. Where I would like Zabinajad to land is right at that Derek Broussard contract, which is $25 million over five years. So it's a cap hit of $5 million, and I'm sure some people might think that's a little too high. Uh, but do keep in mind, this is the Rangers. Um, you, they do often have to pay for what they get and sometimes overpay. Not everyone's going to be Kevin Shattenkirk. And I think that sort of deal would work out well for both sides because you get Zabinajad at, you know, a very reasonable cap hit for for a guy who's going to be your first-line center. You know, a lot of teams would kill to have their first-line center on, on a deal that's south of $6 million a year. And Zabinajad will still be, you know, 28 or 29 when the contract is up, and you'll be able to hit another another uh, payday as an unrestricted free agent right right in his, you know, the tail end of his prime when, you know, a lot of guys, that's kind of, it's around the time when they have that second big payday is, you know, they're coming off of those, you know, that that deal that they sign after a bridge deal, you know, they're 28 or 29 years old and they have one more big payday left in them. Um, I I, I would like to think that's what we'll see, but I'm, I don't, I don't know what to think about, uh, you know, I think the one-year deal, a show-me deal, is like you said, Joe and 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 Beth. I think it's just a bad idea. There's, I think his value can only go up, and if his value goes up, you know, the Rangers will be in a much tighter situation. It will not be a good idea, and I think that you know, Gorton and the Rangers know that. So I would like to think we'll see see a deal get done, and I'd be really happy with something like five by five. Um, you know, I, I know that I think judging off of the Tyler Johnson deal, I think in the Brooks piece, he was saying, you know, that Mika would come in at around like, you know, maybe 4.8 a year, but honestly, 5 million is pretty digestible to me. I I would love a $5 million deal. I don't know. I don't know if that's where Zabanajad is going to land. Uh, Tom did some of the, the comparables, and I kind of think the, the Shen deal is maybe where he falls. That's, and listen, that's five and $250,000. You know, $5.25 million a year is not ridiculous. This is a guy – ultimately, if Zabanajad, say he plateaus as a 55-point player, if he plateaus a 55-point player, those guys are worth $5.25 million. They are. They could be even a little bit more expensive, especially on the open market. You got a guy who's 24, and that would be my argument too. Give us six years, okay? Here's six years at $5.25 million. It's right about where your market value is right now. You know what? You're guaranteeing yourself money. If you fall off the face of the earth, you guaranteed yourself that money. If you blow the doors off, when you're 29, every single team will come running to you, and you can make as much money as you possibly can. And that's the way that you get those deals in. Now, it appears that last year when the Rangers were negotiating with Miller, Miller kind of saw the way that the writing was on the wall, and he decided to go for a shorter deal. That can either mean the Rangers weren't ponying up enough long-term, or maybe he just knew that there was going to be a bigger deal on the horizon and he wanted to bet on himself. There are some rumors out there that the Banajad is doing that, but I don't see them coming from a credible source anywhere, so I'm not sure if there's really anything to take there. But if the Rangers can walk away from this, with Mika Zibanejad signed for five or six years, anywhere from five to 5.5, I would be okay with it. I really would be. I think he's the type of player that you need to take a gamble on because the more you say, okay, show us what you can do, that's when you pay money on the back end. 
Very good general managers avoid those types of contracts. And a perfect example, imagine what Ryan McDonough's contract would look like right now if the Rangers gave him a two-year bridge deal. Instead of it being $4.7 million, it would probably be $7.4 million or $7.7 million or something in that neighborhood. You're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. And you need to try to be smart and navigate those call, those. You try to navigate those pitfalls. You're going to have to pay for guys over what they're worth in some instances. The Rangers got very lucky with Kevin Shattenkirk. The Rangers may have to overpay for Miller now. So be it. So you have to underpay when you can. Chris Kreider, they came out on the right side of that. Ryan McDonough, they are underpaying by millions of dollars. And it's one of the main reasons why they've been able to have what little flexibility they've been able to have. Mike, go ahead. It's, it's a point I, I just wanted to, to quickly to quickly add is you know, we saw the, the crazy Carey Price deal and a lot was made about point. Um, you know a lot was made about the signing bonus aspect of that and that could play a role in someone like Zibanejad uh, or Johansson because you know if they sign a long term deal now with signing bonuses and guaranteed money if you know they set it up that way they'll it's like like you said earlier, Joe. It's that you know you're getting your payday, and if there is a lockout, you know, and there you know a player has to settle for, you know, a shorter term deal or you know something along those lines that doesn't fit into a long term deal, you know, that's something that is a reality for players, and that's you know it's, it's a reason why Price did what he did, and and you know the structure of that contract, and sure it's it's raising a lot of eyebrows and it ironically might lead to a lockout, but it's also, you know, an important fold of this is that Zabinajad is, it's probably in his best interest and he knows that to sign a longer term deal, but it's also in his best interest to get as much money as he can per year. And that's why I think this is taking so long because it's all about agreeing to that number. And, you know, until the two sides can kind of see eye to eye, you know, it, it'll take a while. And right now the Rangers have a lot of cap space to work with. So Zabinajad and his agent know that. And the thing is, the Rangers, it looks like for the first time in a really long time, they actually want to have extra cap space to work with to go into the season, which is a great thing to have. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Shana actually just sent me some really good information. And we have a caller. We'll take you in one second. Um she sent me basically she did a breakout of the number one C's and the number two C's on each team and what their average cap hit is and taking away a guy like McDavid who's making $925,000 a year laughably or Matthews who's making the same Weinberg for Columbus, you know, most of the, most, right. Most of the names on this list, they're making a lot of money and like Ryan O'Reilly, $7.5 million. You know, Hansel's making 3.1. He would, you know, injury concerns there kind of ruffle that up. Zetterberg, when he was there, Seguin, like we're going up and down the list. And there are a lot of players here who are very good players. I'm not insinuating that Zabanajad is the next, is Getzlaff or um, Crosby or, you know, whatever it may be. But that's how much money these guys are making. Number one C's make, if they're not on an entry level contract, a lot of money. $5 million or $5.5 million is not a make-or-break salary here. Tavares is at 5.5 right now, and that's because the Islanders did not bridge him. Wow, amazing. Granted, that's a different career trajectory, but 
whatever. Uh, 718, you are on Banter in the Blue Shirts. Who's this? Well, look at your, uh, you know, look at your, at your, uh, your, your chat line, and you'll see exactly who's on the phone. Who's on the phone? It is Dan Lynch, ladies and gentlemen. Friend and ten at your service. Yeah, well, at our <laughs> service, but at your Dan's service. is always here. Good he's he's, good, he's good always evening, our, our support line. How are you, buddy? How are you doing, Dan? I am not. I am not as good as all of you. It's good to talk to all oh, of boy. you. Oh boy. Well, that's oh, cool. it is. How do you know we're even good? We might not be good. Listen, man. Sure I have enough. I have enough podcasts to know that you're good. Okay. Well, can, can you take my word for it? You always make me feel okay. good about myself, Dan. It's one of your. It's one of your many skills. Um, I do my best work so, under pressure. So I'm assuming you want to talk about Zabanajad because you were throwing some wisdom out there in the uh, the chat room. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Well, um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but I think the number you should be looking for is four years. Um, quite simply, and and Beth, I'm not gonna. I didn't finish with you yet. Um, Four years, oh, and I think the number is right at five million dollars, around five, somewhere around five to five point two five million. So I agree with you on that number, but I think that number should be about four years. And your reasoning for that is? Um, well, my reason, quite simply, is is that you can run him right up to the very edge of un, uh, unrestricted free agency. Um, unrestricted free agency for him is going to start at twenty seven years old. He's going to be right at the cusp um, once a four year deal would be done. So very similar to Chris Kreider, he could go into it in, in his age 24, 25, 26, and 27 years. And he wouldn't turn 28 until the beginning of that following season, which I believe is, 20, is the 2021-22 uh, season. So it would, sound, it would behoove the Rangers to eat the, to eat the four years of the restricted free agency so they don't have to go back to having him be a group four a restricted free agent, which is going to cost them a ton of money. Well, I guess that becomes the question then. So you're saying buyout is restricted free agent years, but that's sure. actually kind of the opposite. You'd almost rather – you would buy out those, but if you're going to sign Zibanejad to a contract, you like if you sign him to a six-year deal, you buy out two years mm-hmm. of unrestricted free agency, and that's something that I think the Rangers should be looking for. It makes me ner- – if you're going to take the bet on him, right, for four years, like you said, you may as well take the bet on him for six years because the difference between four and six is 28 and 30. I mean, five is 29. That's a nice happy medium, whatever. You'd like to think that if Zibanejad is going to start falling off, it would be drastic at 30 years old, although who knows. Um, but you're not going to – you don't necessarily pay a premium for the restricted free agency years you kind of pay him a little bit to buy out the UFA years because if say you're right, right. Sign him to a four year deal. He's 27 years old. Okay. When he comes off the contract or he's about to turn 28, whatever it is. Now, if he lives up to expectations, instead of getting those extra two years at five and a half million dollars or whatever it may be, you have to sign him to another UFA contract. And that's the big one at 28 years old. He's getting one more big yeah. one. That's going to be like the Quake that everybody says is going to destroy the entire Pacific of the United States, the whole like Seattle. Well, it's going to be a lot more than five a year. Well, and, yeah, but, and I see where you're going with that. I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to interject. No, 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 but, go ahead. Um, I see where you're going with that, but the thing about it is, is that we saw that right here with Derek Stepan's contract. His first bridge moved from, I believe it was eight hundred seventy-five thousand to three to three seven five million. Uh, over a what was a three-year a three-year deal, and then it moved from there to that six point five million dollar contract that bought out the last three years of his uh, of his of his 
restricted free agency into his first year of unrestricted free agency. We saw that go down, and you put it into a player where it would have made sense. If if the Rangers had stayed with the plan, with the original plan, and I'm going to term that Glenn Sather's plan, okay, and stuck with that, then, yes, it would have moved – it would have moved Derek Stepan into his age 30 year, which means he would have been in two full seasons of unrestricted free agency. And by that point, you can pretty much level off his number. Um, it would probably be somewhere right around, probably would have been probably somewhere around $8 million, um, over a over a seven-year contract to end what would have been his final contract because you figure by 37, he's going to be pretty much done in the National Hockey League. We're talking about a player who hasn't gotten to the Derek Stepan part yet, who's now heading there. And you're wondering if you can keep that number low and, and just allow him to cruise into those four years into unrestricted free agency. Look, you just drafted two kids, a 17- and an 18-year-old kid, who may turn out to be even better than, than Zibanejad ever hoped to have been. And this is a guy that we're talking about was a number six overall pick in his draft year. As good as, as Abenajad looks now, and he could be even that much better, the two kids that just got drafted could be even better than, than, than he. So I would rather take the risk of four years and say, if I see these two kids and they really blow the doors off the haze, make, make him, you know, make him uh, uh, expendable, and they make Zabenajad expendable, then – I, then it's worth the risk to only give him four years as opposed to giving him six. You're locked into two. You may end up having to give, go into a situation where you have to fight off a, a no-trade clause or what have you. I'd rather just give him four years, go up to free agency, and then make a decision then, keeping my, well, uh, see, my salary cap and being ready for anything else. I'll play the devil's advocate on this, and it's a, you're not arguing a stupid point. You have a guy in Zibanejad who's 24 years old who's a .56 career point-per-game player in the NHL who was poised to have a breakout year with the New York Rangers at 23 years old and didn't because he got a freak injury. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you rather bet on him? Not to say that Anderson or, or Keitel won't be amazing. I mean, I'm so excited for Keitel, I don't even know what to do with myself. But I'd rather bet <laughs> on the player that I have than uh-huh. on the player that you know you don't know what they're going to be. Um, but you brought up a good point. You really did. Dan, we actually have one more caller, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop you off. But thank you for listening, buddy. Uh, I appreciate it. Everybody, Dan Lynch or Dan's 10, if you are on Blue Shirt Banter, he's a good man. He Absolutely. really is. You can find me Dan, on Twitter start. at Dan's Has the Touch. Is that true? Okay. That's true. I didn't know that was your, I didn't know that was your <laughs> yeah, handle. My, my I followed you. Handle. I didn't know it was that. That's yeah, an awesome. Yeah, that's my Twitter handle. Dan's awesome Has handle. the Touch. One word. <laughs> there you. it is. Appreciate Thanks, that. Man. All right, guys. Yeah. I just I want to jump in to kind of build on the point you made there, Joe, which is, Ooh, you know, I understand being. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it's a very fair point. And, it, you know, it's it's a bit of the devil's advocate to what Dan was mentioning. But um, it's the issue of we know what Zabinajad is. If Zabinajad doesn't get any better than he is right now. Um, which I think, you know, is unlikely, but it could happen. He's still very much first-line center material. You know that's what he is. Um, he's a player that's just entering his prime. 
And he's also, you know, shoots right-handed on a team that has, you know, way too many left-handed shots. Uh, there's a lot to like about Zabinijad and his game, his chem- his chemistry with Kreider, his chemistry with, with Zuccarello. The list goes on and on. I don't like the idea of, you know, kind of not, not you know, digging into this with both hands with Zabinijad just because the Rangers have, have you know, Anderson and, and Keitel just because both of those guys, I mean, it's, it's more true of Philip Keitel in terms of he has a, a high potential, but Anderson is not projected to be a franchise player. He's expected to be a solid, a solid center. Um, you know, I, I don't think his ceiling is anywhere near as high as Zibinijad, especially on the offensive side of the puck. And that's a really big deal for the Rangers. It's, it's nice to have these young guys and, it, and it's good to look forward and kind of forecast and plan around what they can do. But Zibinijad is Zibinijad now, and he will be Zibinijad for the next four or five or six years. And because you know that commodity, you know what that asset is, it's not a bad idea to invest in him. And that's my my kind of thought process on this is just that you know you know what you have in Zibanejad. You know what you have in him. He's 24 years old. And this good. is not like you're taking a risk on a Broussard. And it's not a bad thing. And listen, if Anderson becomes a 50 or 60 point player in this league, which you'd think really 60 points is probably the higher end of his offensive ceiling, maybe 65, you know, maybe, then great. But you'd kind of rather take the risk of You'd rather take the risk with what you know. You'd think, you know, it's not. Yeah, it I don't even make call a it a risk, point. though. I, I absolutely would not either. The only risk is that the risk is Zibanejad becomes like a 30-point player, but you, I don't see that happening when throughout his career, at the younger part of his career, when he is the most vulnerable to not putting up big numbers, he's been a 45- to 50-point guy. And the past two years, he's been a... 50 plus point guy. There's no reason to assume that that's not going to continue. So if, if at the very worst, he's a 50 plus point guy, those guys are worth $5 million, like it or not. We have another caller. 516, you are on the air. Who's this? You know what? I was getting tired of hearing uh, Joe Blather on, and uh, so I had to jump <laughs> in here. You know what? I, I got news for you, buddy. We just had a conversation about coming to your friggin' barbecue. And now I don't feel like I'm welcome. You, you know what? You're not. Digger is, but you're not. Oh, okay. you know what? Now, now, now I'm coming. Beth, I would love to have Beth come. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm crashing it now. I, I yeah, am planning I've been hearing that for five years. Well, you kind of have been hearing that for five years. You're right. You're right. When you're uh, right, you're right. And, and, Ladies in all and gentlemen, seriousness, I hope, I, hope the, I hope the wife is feeling well, by the way. She's good. Thank you. This is... Uh, we call him the great grandfather of blue shirt banter, Uncle Tony, the uh, the heart of blue shirt banter, and the myth, the legend, Richter, nineteen ninety four. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? I, I'm feeling good about this off season. I think we're all yeah. feeling really good about this off season, actually. Well, what did you want to talk about, Tony? Oh God, did we, did we lose Tony. We lost Tony. Oh, how depressing. 
don't know. You know what? You broke his we damn heart. We always make mob jokes about Tony. We do. Like, he's got the body in the canoe, and now... Well, he well how do you not make his mob jokes? Did he hear his voice? Uh, <laughs> so the other topic that we were going to shift over to is about... I mean, actually, one more thing. Prediction time. Does Zibanejad go to arbitration? Beth? Uh, yes. Ooh, my oh, God. Uh, I'm just going to say what I, I hope is true. So well. no. I, need to, I, need, I need them to get messy to feel comfortable. So, yes, that's what that's I'm saying. Fair. Yeah. No, not for nothing. Beth is – she basically has a, an ability to foretell. Like, she figured out that the game five against Montreal was going to be like this overtime disaster that was going to cause all of us to yeah, lose. Yeah, she's like an oracle. 15, yeah, exactly. So Beth has basically screwed the Zibanejad proceedings, and um, I do not appreciate hey, that. I don't think things happen. I just foresee them. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you, you foresaw. True. Mike, you said yes Ranger. or no. I'm just – honestly, I don't know, but I would, I'm just yeah. saying what I hope is the case, which is I don't think it'll happen. I think there's the Rangers have too many reasons – to make this kid happy and to not go in front of the court and, and list the reasons they don't think he's worth a lot of money that they don't want to do that. This is a guy who's fits into the plan next season. And the next, frankly, I think the next five or six seasons after that, he is that kind of a player. Um, I'm not sure if everyone in the organization is that high on him, but if they're not, then I have no idea what the hell the Rangers are doing down the middle because I know that we heard Gorton talk about, yeah, we want to move Miller to center eventually. But that hasn't happened. And And when it has, it hasn't been the greatest thing in the world. So, Yeah, that's the other part of it. So I think the deal gets done just because both sides want it. Both sides want a good deal around $5 million for, you know, a half dozen years or so. So that's, that's what I'd like to see happen. I agree with you, Mike, and the only thing that I have outside of hope that you don't, the only, like, strand of logic that I can apply to this, it hurts the Rangers a lot more to go to arbitration than it does the Banajad. If the Rangers go to arbitration, yeah. even if they get a great number, you're going to have to pay him a boatload of money when he's 25 or 26 years old. you got to sign him to a contract before that. Tony is back. Tony, we did not kill you. Welcome. Yay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened, but um, going back to to this thing, I I think what you guys are saying is right. The only problem I have is that, you know, the Rangers cannot have this attitude that they have to do whatever to sign this guy. And first of all, he's not going to arbitration. Let's make that clear. <laughs> They'll work it out whichever way it goes. Okay, it's happened once, and they walked away from Jaredev. That's the only time they've ever gone to arbitration. So let's put let's put that aside. The next thing is Zabanajad may I I don't think anybody else has ever gone to arbitration. It's true for Tony. For the rest of us, I'm pretty sure Dubinsky went and I know for a fact Lundquist did. I know he did. Did did he go to arbitration? Yeah Lundquist's four he that one year like four two five million dollar deal was an arbitration deal. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I didn't, and, and I didn't I think rem- du- remember that. I think Dubinsky's was too, because the and not to interrupt you, a big reason why you point out arbitration as being a bad thing. Dubin- there was so much bad blood between Zubinsky and Sather 
Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right about the that. arbitration. That well, maybe when, this is the, maybe that was the first time that they walked away from an arbitration. Well, yeah, Jared definitely was Jared, the first maybe time that's that they what walked it was. away. For sure, Jared yeah, was the yeah, first time you, that they you, walked you're away. Right but when about Dubinsky, that. after Dubinsky had his arbitration hearing, when he signed his next deal, Glenn Sater was not allowed to negotiate with it with him. It was done by the assistant right. general manager. Right. I can't remember at the time because Dubinsky didn't want to be with him. So, so right. just to show you how this could right. be potentially a problem. But Tony, I apologize. Continue. I, I, I don't think that's well. Anyway, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think the real issue is here is that Zabanajad may not want a Brassard contract. He may not want five years uh, for five million or five point five million per. Okay, he may say if you're going to give me a five or six year deal, I want to want over six million per year. And then the Rangers are bidding against themselves. And that's the only reason why I would not be in favor of a long-term contract to get to the level that Zabanajad thinks he needs to get in order to accept a five- or six-year deal. And this is like the A-Rod situation where the Yankees were bidding against themselves and gave, them, gave him that ridiculous contract. Do I think that Zabanajad should be Five years, five million, five point five, no problem. But you start getting to over six million dollars, I don't think he's worth it at this point. And I would give him a two year, let's say four million dollar per contract, uh, if that's the directed uh, direction Zabanajad wants to go in. I don't think they should go over six million dollars per year for this guy. I would one hundred percent agree with that. If if Zabanajad's die on the hill line is six, you know, and a half million dollars, then yes. Then if you have to sign up to a bridge deal, you say, okay, fine, you're getting a bridge deal, but you're getting a show me contract worth way less than you're worth because you're going to get more money on the other side of the fence and then you deal with it then. From what I can gather, Zibanejad's ask seems to be six million dollars. Now, that's encouraging to me because if he's asking for six, it means he's willing to go down. I mean, unless... His half brother, who again, I do not mean to make fun of. Um, I don't know if he has any history of actually doing these negotiations, but maybe he thinks, oh, you ask for six and you get six. I don't know. But if those are the two options, then those, then yes, Tony, you're absolutely right. If he's saying, I want a shorter deal, and he might be, you know, when a guy is coming off an injury like this, sometimes you think to yourself, huh, it might be better for me to just take the money, but who knows? And I agree that the Rangers don't want to be in a position where they absolutely have to pay whatever the guy wants. But when you trade your number one center back and you basically get no forwards in return and you don't make a forward splash in free agency, you really don't have a choice. And there's no one waiting in the wings to fill up that top six role. And not that you're wrong, but the Rangers are in this situation and he knows it. He's not an idiot. Well, I, I listen. I we all agree with that, and and we know all went down with stepping on that. But uh, I do believe that the Rangers will bring in another center. Um, I mean, Bozak's name is, keeps getting thrown around, and he's at four point two million for one more year. They're going to have to clear some cap space for him and sign Zabanajad. So I I still believe, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. But I still believe that Stahl somehow, some way is getting traded. And even if it means retaining half his cap space uh, uh, to basically get him off the team, 
I, I still believe it's going to happen. I really do. And uh, uh, I can see listen, it. If someone's willing Girardi to give Girardi two signed, years, I can see it. I, I mean, that's insane. What is, what is Eisenman thinking about? I mean, I, I, I don't understand that at all. To Of his own free will, to give him $6 million over two years is insane. So if that's the case, and let's say Stahl is a better player than Girardi, which isn't saying much, but let's say he is, then somebody <laughs> taking Stahl at, you know, $2.85 million or whatever it is, is probably going to be a deal for somebody, you know, if the Rangers retain half his cap space, which is probably what's going to have to happen. I, or I, I would say, and people don't agree with me because we already bought out Girardi, I'd buy him out. If you can't trade him, get him off the team. Buy him out. Get that cap space now because Nash comes off the books next year. And granted, they may re-sign him at half the price, let's say, for three and a half, four million million a year because I do believe that they love that guy and they're going to keep him on the team. But at least you have the yeah. remaining cap space for Miller and Hayes, who you're going to have to sign next year. Tony, before I let you go, oh. I have to apologize to you. I am wrong. The Blue Shirt Panther DM group is telling me that Dubinsky settled literally as he was walking into the arbitration room and Lundqvist... I thought I could have sworn Lundqvist went through arbitration. Uh, they're saying he did not. So, Zverev does appear. So, you're saying that the last players with hearings were Avery and Zverev. Um, say that again? So, no, you're, you're garbage. I am garbage. That was that is Brooke said in his, uh, in his thing about Zibanejad, uh, that if he does go into news. a hearing, it'll be the we, first since 2007. I am such, so. such fake and and Miko, you know you're and, and you and you and you guys call me senile. I swear to God. <laughs> no, I wouldn't think that you're, thing. You're going to get it at this barbecue. I'm telling you right now. It's not. There's not going to be a game no more. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't. I don't think article, this gets to arbitration. I, I would agree with you. In this Washington Post article I, I, there, about there's Lundquist, no way. There's no way because of what you said. They, the the team, as much as they don't want to overpay, does not want to sit there and start rattling off the reasons why a guy shouldn't make X amount of dollars and then have the guy on the team for at least the next couple of years. I mean, it's not going to – especially an important player like this who is the number one center. And by the way, he he does have the tools, and there is no question that after the injury, he was not himself until the very end of the playoffs when he showed yeah. what the guy could really do. Tony dropped hey, Tony, my dimes. Tony, is throwing Tony, what are you heat. doing next Thursday? <laughs> we think but we need a new guy because this Joe guy isn't working out. <laughs> you want you want to be the voice of banter in the blue shirts, buddy? It's a little so, past your bedtime at me? eight forty. You know, at eight o'clock. But yeah, you can no, do it. no, like, you guys, Tony's you guys do a great job, like FDR. You guys do well, thank you, Team Money. Evening. I appreciate this, buddy. You should call. We're going to come to the barbecue. Right, I'm telling you. Maybe we'll do a live podcast from the barbecue. Who knows? We'll figure it well, out. You guys, you guys are, you guys are welcome anytime. I'm telling you. That's a hell of a So idea. I'm going to get off the phone so you can let uh, somebody else come on. Well, thanks, Tony. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Tony. All right, guys. You have a good night. You too, man. Bye-bye. So Bye-bye. in the article right there, that... Okay. In the article that uh, Mika sent about Lundqvist avoiding arbitration to prove me wrong, 
This is a paragraph. It was the second key re-signing by the Rangers in two days after Brendan Shanahan agreed to a one-year contract on Thursday to return to New York for a second season. What a throwback oh. that is. I totally forgot he was on the Rangers. Ooh, Another Brashear fight. I'll never forget that. Moment, New York has very little room left under the salary cap for next season. Hmm. <laughs> the 25-year-old Lundquist. Wow, that is... We are back now. Oh. Yeah. So That's I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I was, I was wrong on Dubinsky. That's I was wrong on Henrik Lundqvist. exactly what I was thinking. The hair. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, weird, shaggy rock star hair. Yeah. <laughs> Beth just asked anyway. me what Avery's hearing was like. I, I cannot. The, uh, it had to be just an absolute. Yep. It had to be insane. Go ahead, Mike. What do you want to say? Avery had yeah, it just to mess with people. Go on. Uh, just to, to tag on to, to Tony's concern about paying Zabinajad too much, I think it would be really foolish not to mention that the Rangers should really have learned a lesson from the Girardi contract, the Stahl contract, and the Stepan contract, which is to be very, very careful about handing out no trade and no movement clauses. I think a guy like Zabinajad, you have to give him some sort of modified no trade clause just because, you know, if he signs that sort of a deal and if he's your first-line center, it would be something like that. But you would kind of expect that to be there. But, uh, yeah, I I just don't know, um, you know, what sort of number would make Gorton and the Rangers really back away and have to really think outside the box. I I don't think that will happen, though. I do think the deal will get done. I like that, Michael. I'm I like going to say uh, that they're going arbitration just because I like to watch Joe's head explode when I'm right about random things. So. I, listen, the, the fact that you're some type of sick oracle that can apparently tell the future, it, it would be wonderful yeah. if it was like useful for good things, but you used it to predict a game that gave all of us diarrhea and we all almost died. And now you're using it to predict that the one player that the Rangers don't have signed left is going to suddenly go to arbitration, and that's not fun at all. But, you know... Yeah, I, I can... I can picture Beth as like dressed in like wildling clothing from Game of Thrones in a post-apocalyptic world, like throwing bones and reading signs from from the ancients. I can see that working. Yeah, so I can too. Uh, um, so we spent. I did not think we were going to spend fifty minutes talking about Zabanajad, but we spent fifty minutes talking about Zabanajad. Um, we also have to talk about Kevin Shattenkirk's little welcome home party. Coming to New York, oh, getting his, so the sweet. whole press conference thing. And we have to talk about Bushnevich, so we got a little bit of a ways to go for you guys. I apologize. My wife is eating cookies, as you can hear the crinkling in the background, because this new microphone <laughs> is amazing. It picks up everything, um, you know, pregnancy snacks and, and all that. Uh, I'm getting double middle fingers. That can't be good. Um, <laughs> Kevin Shattenkirk, he comes. He talks about Brian Leach being his favorite player. He talks about the better team, the team that's ready to win and how much he loves the New York Rangers. And, um, God damn, it feels pretty good to hear him talk like this. Doesn't it? Beth, go ahead. Kumbaya. He's a, he's a happy man. I mean, he's engaged. He's on the Rangers. They've already got a shirt for him as hometown boy. Uh, I think it, we bleed blue or somebody. And yeah, it's, it's the sort of, um, well, it's the sort of too good 
to be true thing that of course makes me suspicious, but I'm not a negative person. So I'm just going to enjoy it and say it's amazing. And he's from Nourishell where my parents live and, you know, maybe I'll run into him on Metro North or something, but yeah, right now it's really hard to find even a remote downside about this. So just looking forward and excited to, I mean, it's, it's almost unimaginable the extent of the change, right? To have, McDonough with with him instead of Girardi. I mean, I I just I almost can't even imagine what games are going to look like now. It's a complete paradigm shift. Anyway, it's like so that's me sleeping being excited. on the floor, and then waking up one day and you get to sleep in a king size mattress. That's really it's really the only way to to pot like the just the difference of your ass is on the floor. It's hard. You're not happy. You're not comfortable. Maybe every now and again you have a good night's sleep, and now you're on like a plush king-size mattress, and it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, he took Nick Holden's number, and there was no oh mention. Oh, my God. Usually you get one of those stories where it's like, oh, Shattenkirk had to buy him a watch. or Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We've speculated on the show. We have speculated on Blue Shirt Panther. We have speculated in a lot of different places that the New York Rangers probably need to trade Nick Holden. And I don't think this symbolizes anything, but I think it is very interesting that this is where we are. Tony seems to believe the Rangers are going to trade Stahl. I think there might be a deal out there, but I, I do not know if there's really a place for Nick Holden. And I don't know. Is this weird, Mike, or am I just, you know, just talking? Yeah, it's a lot of teams really love to kind of give you the peek behind the curtain. I think it happened with Scott Darling in Carolina where, you know, yeah. he had the number of some player and it's, you know, Ollie, I owe you three dinners or a free two goals every practice or something fun like that. And uh, the Rangers social media team has been trying to get a little more, you know, silly and fun uh, the last couple of years. And so when we saw that, you know, guess what? Chat and Kirk's were in 22 and there was no story behind it. It was definitely, you know, it was cause for scratching, you know, scratching your head and wondering if more might be going on. You know, Nick Holden is a guy who was a healthy scratch in the playoffs for a game. He's a guy who, you know, when you just look at the roster on paper, he's just not, he's not an important player anymore. Um, and there's also a lot of, you know, pretty strong case to be built that, you know, the Rangers, especially that Shana just wrote a great piece about, you know, that, that stall holding pairing and how it has to be avoided at all costs. And I think that secret is out now. Um, I think the Rangers, front office has had a long time to look at that and frankly Holden it would be great if the Rangers can find a way out out of the way of uh, that stall contract but the Holden contract is so much easier to get away from and there's all those kids uh, on defense that are competing for spots including D'Angelo Bear Glazov and uh, Pionk or Poink as Joe likes to say <laughs> and uh, Sean Day so th- there's so much there that you know, where there's smoke, there might be fire. I'm not sure we'd call this smoke, though. I think this might be wishful thinking, but there's there, there, we talked about it a lot last podcast, Joe. The people, when you, he's a 30-point defenseman with a one-year deal at under $2 million. Someone must want him, you know. 
Someone and and something has to happen. Yeah, you yeah, can't have. You, you just can't have that many defensemen. It's especially not that many defensemen making as much money as they are. Not that. It, say Holden and Stall remain on the team. You're either playing Stall and sitting Holden, or you're sitting the five point seven million dollars that is Stall. And that's not to insinuate that you sh- shouldn't do that. Like if the Rangers are going to eat the Stall contract and they decide he's the worst defenseman of the group, and at this point he is, then so be it. Then you, you sit him. It's better than playing him. But I don't know. Something has to happen. And I was giddy because I was reading the Kevin Shattenkirk quotes. And one of the quotes was, quote, we have great goaltending. Our defense is fast and we can make plays. But I also think we have a little bit of an edge there as well. And I thought to myself, for the first time in forever, somebody made a very positive comment on the Rangers' defense, and it was true. <laughs> yep. It's true. They have an, uh, the, Like Beth said, the, the, it is night and day from where the Rangers were three weeks ago to where they are right now. You go from having probably the worst defense in the league, if not one of the worst defenses in the league, to maybe the best defense in the league. I don't think there's a better top pairing than McDonough Shattenkirk. I really don't. And I don't think this is the Rangers' rose-colored glasses coming out. I don't think you have a top pair that can do as much as they can. You have Shea and Smith, which is an unbelievably good second pairing. And it's the third pairing hopefully is D'Angelo someone. And I'm it. You're in such a better place. You really are. You're it's like sleeping on that king size mattress. You are in such a better place with what the Rangers have right now than what they didn't have. We were nervous. They weren't going to do this. The podcast before um, right before the draft, I think it was the three of us and we were all taking bets on what the percentage was that Stoll and Girardi were going to be on the team again next year. And the Rangers moved right. away from that and they did the right thing, which isn't necessarily easy. So there's a lot. I mean, there really is a lot here. It's, and it's all good. Um, Beth, were you trying to say something when I talked over you? I was going to say, I don't think I have Rangers rose colored glasses. I can't, I'm definitely <laughs> not known for, for, looking at things in too positive a way. Um, But yeah, I mean, someone at work yesterday asked me when they were going to be contenders again. And I said, this year. And that feels true to me. Um, And I was kind of stunned when I said it because, you know, I was, you know, running through it. She asked and I was like, "Eh." and then I was like, now, I think now it kind of blows my mind, but barring some, you know, you know, barring some injuries or something that, you know, we haven't foreseen yet or Holden and Stahl somehow, but getting more time than, I mean, Shana's piece was amazing. And, but, you know, it, it, again, it, that's the sort of thing, if they didn't know it already, what would have made them finally figure it out, but we don't need to, well, I guess we do still need to think about that. Right. Cause they're still technically, that could still technically happen, right? They could still be. Oh, God, don't. You I have know. the power, Beth. You can't. Don't use your you powers You need to be careful that. about the way that you use your powers. No, no, that wasn't a powers thing. That was a question thing. I am not, I am not foreseeing that. But it's, it's you know, the, the old argument, which hopefully we're making our way out of, which is, Things that are wrong with the Rangers' defense are not things that the Rangers seem to think are wrong with the Rangers' defense. 
but that was our mm. old mindset and we are in the Shattenkirk era now and it is all going to be different. So yeah, we're, we're, uh, this is a positive podcast. There's, there is at this point, there is nothing you can be upset about this off season. There really isn't. They did what they were supposed to do. People are upset about the Smith contract for reasons that I, for the life of me, I can't understand, but <laughs> it is like, there's nothing to be upset about. Um, any other takeaways from uh, Shattenkirk's little welcome home party? Nope. Okay. He's a happy boy. Um, two other things before we get to Bushnevich, just to cover. Um, Philip Keitel, and God, I hope Mike is right when we're saying that name. He agreed to his entry-level contract on the 14th. That is good news. He is awesome. Um, and then yesterday, well, two days ago, the Rangers signed um, – free agent goaltender Alexander Georgiev? I think I'm right on that one. Sounds right Georgiev. That one sounds um, good. Georgiev? Uh, whatever. Um, one of the best no. goaltenders in Liga, uh, which is the Finnish league, and um, all of a sudden, the Rangers have one of the best goaltending pools in the NHL. 21 years old, he played 27 games in Liga, and he was 13-8-4 with a 1-7 goals against average and a 9-23 save percentage. Wow. That is, and you'd have to think that you have Pavlik for this year for the one-year contract. Band then you have Georgiev for the next two years, and then you have Shesterin coming up right behind Lundqvist on the end of that contract. The Rangers, uh, I don't know how you prepare to lose a generational greatest goaltender to ever play the game player, but by all means, the Rangers are certainly doing their best to get there. So, um Okay, now to the fun, strange part of the podcast, translating <laughs> Russian comments. The, the interview that um, Pavel Buchnevich did was spectacular, and I don't know if it was supposed <laughs> – like, I'm sure in Russian it was very coherent and, like, It was journalistic correct. in Russian. But when translated to English, and we are all going off of a version that Mike sent us from uh, the hockey writers that was a much better translation than, like, the Google translation, it is still an amazing, amazing story. Uh, There will be a little bit of comments coming from this because there were some comments about Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff is apparently, like, the white devil when it comes to Russia and Russian hockey players, which I was not aware of. Apparently there was some Maxim uh, Finneganov nonsense that went on and they actually asked him about it. And Buchnevich said, you know, paraphrasing as far as I understand, it's going to work with the defense. So I'm not overly worried. Um, then they asked him a follow-up question like Valerie Nishkinen left the stars because of Ruff, And he said, well, Ruff was the head coach at those times. We'll see. I'm not worried about it. So it's a little, a little interesting um but you know what there's one thing in here before i let you guys jump in that i that really spoke to me they talked to him about being sent to the ahl in february and was he panicking and did he want to go back to the khl and he said that he talked with the general manager who was jeff gordon and i knew that it was just a formality as they needed to clear a spot before the deadline he played some games there and he was called back like he was promised which was something i think we were kind of hopeful for at the time um but we didn't know was going to happen uh, you know, a lot of us complained about the way that Buchnevich was utilized towards the end. 
they said the kind of Buchnevich sort of confirmed that a little bit, that he just kind of didn't know what his role was, that he was being yanked up and down. And uh, some of the responses were, you know, that he had mixed feelings about it and it was the coach's decision and there's nothing he can do about it. He said that it was a hard season because of his injuries and he started well. And then after the injury, I didn't have a fixed spot in the lineup. I was going from one line to another and I couldn't find my best game. And that's something that I was very concerned about, that you're taking this guy away from an opportunity to really find himself. You almost lose a year of development. And those are just some things that I read from it and without hearing an interview from him at all. And this kind of confirms it. So this is the, not that this is a shot at AV, but if I'm Elaine Mignot and I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, I I need to give this kid a shot. And there's no reason why he shouldn't get one. The fact that he was healthy scratched for 10 of glass is the the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, Beth, anything you would like to add to this? Um. I think, you know, you get the sense from it. I mean, he handled the the rough questions quite diplomatically. Um, And he very carefully did not say that rough does not have a problem with Russians. Um, He just basically said it wasn't his problem. Um, Or at least it wasn't yet because he'll be working with the defense. So um, I thought that was pretty savvy of the kid. And um, other than that, I mean, he seems to really, you know, he said he didn't, he didn't want to rate his performance for last year because he knows it wasn't a real season. Um, you know, and he definitely, he definitely seems aware of the fact that he hasn't made um, a solid place for himself on the team yet. Um, you know, he, he seems to know. He also didn't say anything about Girardi leaving, I noticed, even though they asked him um, as having any kind of effect. Um I mean, he seems to have a pretty firm sense of, of what went wrong and that, you know, if he stays injury-free, that things are going to be a lot better. I mean, they must, most of the players must know, including him, that they're really coming back to a different team. Um, and he must be really excited about that. That's all I can think, really, right? One would hope? I hope so, yeah. There's... There's definitely something to be said about that. There's another thing that was really interesting to me. It stood out was the, uh, you know, he said that Vino, you know, this is what's so great about the Russian translation that Vino scolded him about not shooting enough, you know, which sounds, you know, like a kid coming home telling his parents he had a rough day at school um, because the teacher <laughs> was mean. But um, I think there's something to that. My, my little, you know, the, the, takeaway I had is, you know, towards the end of the interview, uh, the interviewer brought up that, you know, the Rangers signed, you know, Alexei Vera-Glazov, and there's been a lot of talk, you know, from Gordy Clark about, you know, Vera-Glazov being one of the defensemen who can challenge for a roster spot. And we know that even in the interview, you know, Buchnevich talked about how he's not, you know, his English is coming along, but it's not, it's not really there yet. He can understand, but he can't communicate as well as he'd like. And that's a big deal for a young guy. And it's also a big deal for a young guy, and it was pretty clear in the interview, that he has someone, you know, in that locker room he can talk to. We know Kreider can, talk, can speak Russian, and that's great, but um, Bear Glazov is a Russian defenseman. And Ruff has this reputation with defensemen. I mean, sorry, with with Russians, and he's coaching the defense. So you have kind of a, you know, a square peg in a round hole there. There might be 
an issue. And the, the goofy thing about stuff like it, this is that even if, you know, all this Lindy Ruff and Russian stuff is, is blown out of proportion, the players clearly know about it. It's, it's there. You know, it's in the locker room. The Russian, you know, hockey player community talks about it. I think Afinogenov, I might be mistaken, I think he's in a general manner, in a managerial position somewhere in the KHL or something like that. Um, I might be way off base there, but you know, the, he was a very popular Russian player and he played under uh, Ruff in Buffalo for the many, many years that, uh, that he was there. But it is something I think to keep an eye on. Uh, I was trying to learn more about what Lindy Ruff's coaching style is about. And he's talked about often as like a student of the game. He was, he used to be kind of an old school coach and he's not afraid to, you know, sit guys and put them on the hot seat. He wasn't afraid in Buffalo to, to, you know, to put Derek Roy, you know, and challenge him publicly in the media stuff that we know. And some of us don't very like very much about guys like Tortorella and that kind of old school, you know, challenging a player and expecting it to end well. Um, But I also hear a lot of things like, you know, he's, he's a student of the game. He's trying to adapt to the modern game um, and things like that. So I'm trying to give him a clean slate. I I would, I think it'll be really, really interesting what we see out of Buchnevich in camp and early in the season, because he hasn't been talked about a lot. And that's really interesting to me, especially with the Rangers losing someone like Stepan. And so you immediately turn to guys in-house who can step up into bigger roles. And almost immediately people were saying Hayes and Miller, but and obviously because they're both capable of playing center. But Buchnevich is a guy who a lot of people wanted to see more ice time and to not be on the fourth line. Uh, yeah. But we, we haven't seen too much talk about that now. So it's, it'll be really interesting to see what unfolds here. Um, and especially in training camp and stuff, I, I would love to see him get a real chance. Um, I don't think we're in the panic room just yet, but I don't know. I've, I've talked too long about Buchnevich. I'll let someone else say something. I, I just don't know how you, you wouldn't give him a real chance. But I don't know how yeah. he didn't get a real chance last year. So, uh, yeah. it's, honestly, he was one of the Rangers' better forwards when he played in the playoffs. I'm not even saying that because I love him. I'm not even saying that because Tanner Glass was the guy that replaced him. It's just true. He really was. Think about the fact that he is one of the best points per 60 on the team, despite the fact that, A, he had an injury that derailed him. Now, points per 60 isn't based off the number of games you played. It's just about your ice time. But it's also the fact that he played on the fourth line and had no role. And there were some games, there were most of the games that he was getting in terms of ice time, eight minutes, eight minutes a night towards the end of the season. And he still had one of the highest points for 60 on the team. So I think he's going to be the, like, I don't necessarily want to say missing link, but when you talk about growth and how are the Rangers going to replace Stepan's offense, I think Buchanevich is going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy to make it happen. Uh, I, I just, I, no, I, I, I think VC is going to be better than he was, but and it's what infuriates me when people compare the two of them at 
22 years old, Buchnevich had a better season than VC did, and Buchnevich is a polished professional player. If you could only pick one, I think a majority of this fan base would pick VC, and you are uh, like, it's not even a, a debate on who the better hockey player is. It's Pavel Buchnevich. His ceiling is higher, period. End of story. Um, Mike, why do you hate volleyball? Oh, because I got. <laughs> You know why I hate volleyball. I, I showed you through the picture. I'm never playing volleyball again. Because I dove for a ball. Highly inappropriate. And it, I got like, you know, like carpet burn, where you just lose like the top layer of your skin. Okay. That happened to me, but with, with sand and volleyball. So I had to use the shower to wash sand out of an open wound, which I got to tell you, folks, not fun. You but yeah, that would be good. And I'm going to go swimming in the ocean this weekend, and I'm sure the salt water is going to feel great on it, too. So that's all good stuff. My God. But yeah, volleyball the worst. It'll make it better. It will make it better. That's true. Salt cleanses the wound. Your little phytoplankton and things are going to eat my, eat my wound. It's going to be great. Okay, you, you, you're maybe, making Maybe it'll attract sharks. Who knows? I guess it could attract sharks. I don't know. I don't really know the... My God, I know too much awful. about sharks. Sharks are the worst. It looks worse today. I haven't shown you the picture today. I don't know if I want to see it based off of the photo that you sent yesterday. Well, I'm going to send it to you anyway. You were just well, nude. That was a different picture. That was a different picture. You're right. But I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, okay. That's good to know. Mike doesn't like volleyball anymore. Um, when was the last time you were scolded? Books never got scolded. When was the last time you were scolded? <laughs> I'm oh, going to say boy. I just got scolded by my wife with a double middle finger. You did. You did. Just yeah, don't scolded. talk about my pregnancy on the radio, which I'm now doing, but she's in the other room, so she can't hear me. Or she can, and think, I'm going to be in trouble as soon as I'm off the air. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's probably because every once in a while my stomach will just be terrible. And I'm one of those people who, like, won't take Pepto-Bismol or Tums. I'll just be like, oh, no, my stomach's killing me i'm dying and then i won't take i won't take the you know the remedy and my girlfriend scolded me enough so that now whenever my stomach hurts i just hear a voice in my head and i know i'm wise enough now to listen and just do yes take thing that helps so yeah you should be wise enough to just listen to what she says rather than the the voice of her in your head yeah that's just yeah that's a little dating advice for all of you out there just whatever she says Yes. Just normally a sure. better idea. Yeah, normally is a better idea. Beth knows all about that. Beth, I don't know. When was the last time you were scolded? Because you are the scoldee with your two young daughters. Yeah, I'm actually doing the scolding. What with being the teacher and being the mother. And uh, I'm sure it was probably something work-related that's not amusing enough to talk about. <laughs> um, the show is taking a dip. Yeah, I'm just not a... We peaked at Tony. It's all downhill. We we did. Well, yeah. that's usually the case. I think we should... I, uh, if you guys are interested, I think we should do a live podcast from Tony's. Yeah, I think we should replace you with Tony, too. We should consider that. I did get the uh, the arbitration thing 100% wrong. I wasn't even close. I was dead. Yeah, like, I, was wrong about about for... I was wrong on Lundquist. I was right on Jared, I guess, minutes. but... What did you say, you son of a bitch? 
<laughs> said you, and you talked about it incorrectly for like 20 minutes while I listened and just took your word as gospel like a fool. That'll learn. How dare you? How dare if I, if I were on a boat with a gun, I'd shoot you right now. The Why immortal words. That's what Peter Griffin on a boat? That's what Peter Griffin said when he was on trial for murdering Lois from a boat. Obviously, neither of you found the guy, and that that upsets me. A spear gun? It was not, but I could do some damage with a spear gun. Those are nautical guns. Maybe not as good as what you could do with an arbalist if you were in medieval times, but could you imagine if you had a spear gun, just like carrying it around? Nobody would go near you on the subway. You get, like, you just... You do whatever you want. You're walking down the street. People just give you a wide berth so you can walk around and do whatever you want. Spear things? God, do you know how much fun it must be to spear something? I wouldn't want to spear fish anything. It seems mean. Well, it doesn't have to be something alive. You could spear a vehicle or a gas tank, make something explode. Well, that's someone's property, Joe. That's not very nice. What if it's a bad man's property? cars? Is that what you're... Suggesting we do? Yeah, I'm not necessarily suggesting. I'm just saying, if you happen to have a spear gun, and you have a vehicle that is decommissioned and slash or in the junkyard, maybe you spear it. Sure. Maybe you don't. I I hate both of you (laughs) with a fiery passion, the flaming (laughs) thousand flaming suns worth of passion. Do you think Patreon.com? No, stop. Don't don't interrupt me ever again. Do you think Shattenkirk did the right thing, shaving his head? Yes. He, he looks like Derek Stepan. But better. Well, yeah, because he he's looks, a ranger. But He looks much better yes. with the shaved head. Hair was so baffling to me. Yeah. I, I don't what, remember what did him. Beth? Beth compared to him like it was an amazing and out, like a 1970s oh, substitute said, teacher or something. Yeah, so like perfect. I thought he looked like a, you know, like an extra on Welcome Back Cotter or something, which is a reference yeah. Tony will, if none of the rest of you do. Yeah, I was just like, dude, your head. I have um, no idea what you're talking about right now. If you dyed his hair it was, green, it would have looked like... It was not the hair of a well-paid hockey player is all I'm saying. No. It did not seem to... So, but he has so a... Henry Lundquist has enough hair for everybody. Yeah. What? Henrik Lundqvist is enough beautiful hair for everybody. Yeah. I see no sign that he shares it, though. No, but he probably told Shankirk to get his shit together. Got him a nice dude, shaved his head. Well-groomed, son of a bitch. I like to think that Henrik held him down and shaved his head. That's what I like to think. <sighs> Maybe held him with his eyes. Ooh. Yeah. That that see, there you go. Where was that going to go? I don't know, but I want to keep going. What road were you walking down, Missy? (laughs) You're about to get your first scolding right now on the radio. Fine. Totally worth it. You're telling me... I didn't hear, apparently, what Beth said. That was scandalous. I'm not sure I should. She didn't say anything, but she towed the line and was about to go forward and then elected to stop speaking. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know how Beth, dangerous there are that children who listen to this show. I don't think that's true. And now they're all going to shoot spear guns at cars and whatever else Joe told them to do. Yeah, just like when the like, pitchfork people were 
going after Vigneault in the trees. Around, I think somewhere they'll be glad that they've been upgraded to spear guns. I think. Yeah, I, be a I nice... agree. From pitchforks to spear guns, do a lot more damage that way. You can strike from a distance with a spear gun. Absolutely, well, game folks. Yeah, you have to get the trajectory right though. You don't have to worry about that with a pitchfork. Pitchfork, you just stab. You just think the stab wound wouldn't have used the end of it? Spear, spear gun, gun, you have the tra- trajectory to work out. You're trying to figure out what the arc is going to be, the wind factor. Now with a pitchfork, you just stab that some bitch. Wow. Yeah. See, so you guys don't understand the uh, the subtleties of a, a pitchfork being used as a weapon like I do. I don't From know. You were just really hard a few minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying you're on Team Spear Gun just a minute ago. I don't know. For long term, uh, for long range fighting, you really don't have an option. But the trajectory that you need to figure out when it comes to a spear gun, it's like you need a pen and paper and a protractor trying to figure it out. It just who has time for that in, in the middle of a battle? Sir, they're attacking. Yes, I'm figuring out the trajectory of how this is going to... You don't have time for that. You'd be stabbed already by the pitchfork guy. So figure it out. That's what that is. (sighs) Patreon.com slash blue shirt banter for this. You could pay for this actual content right now where we talk as if we are about to get into a war between farmers and uh, scuba divers who have become pissed and are trying to take over some land. Don't you want more We're of that in your life? Farmer. You want more of that in I your like life. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. We would appreciate it if you went and donated whatever money you had, in which case you could help us get Skype subscriptions, which we already have. A new microphone for Beth. I have a mic. Mike has a mic, ironically enough. Uh, I listened to the very first show that we did, and it sounded like total crap, which makes me feel better because these shows sound quite a bit, quite a bit more professional. Yeah. So, at this point, every dollar that you have sent us in Patreon has gone to some type of an upgrade to the sound quality of the show. So, we are being serious when we tell you, please donate, and we will utilize the money that you give us to make the show better for you before we use it to line our own pockets greedily. Um, <laughs> If you listen to us on archive, which 90% of you do, please give us a nice little subscription, five stars, write a nice comment, say something nice on iTunes. You can go in and you can write about how handsome I am and how beautiful I am and buff and what I could do with a spear gun. Or you could just say nice things about the podcast in general, but you should do it. If you do it in iTunes, it helps other people find it. It goes a long way to allowing us to continue to grow the website. If you want to follow us, for me, it's type in something slash Blue Shirt Panther or just BlueShirtPanther.com. You'll figure it out. Mike is DigDeepBSB on Twitter. You can also find him as the lead women's writer on FanRag Sports and Beth Macklin, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Um, Beth, do you write for FanRag or do you write for the Ice Garden when it comes to NWHL? Um, every, I have written a couple of things for the Ice Garden. I have never written for FanRag. Okay, so Mostly Beth Joe, is, I just write for you. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. You can find Beth anywhere. Anywhere. Now, that's so um, nice. <laughs> anywhere. Damn. Oh, it's we're so at a truck rest stop there. With, with your better microphone. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying you're doing anything particularly <laughs> naughty. You're in a truck rest stop bathroom <laughs> writing about women's hockey. See oh that? My. I'm hanging up, Joe. Get, she needs to get into it. That's it. 
Beth, Beth, it was nice to have you back. Yeah. I want you to know that. Yay. No better with Beth. We'll Beth's good. Predictions come true. Beth, good. Yeah, I swear to God, yeah, he'll be kicked off the goddamn show if he goes to arbitration. I'm just letting goddamn you know. Goddamn evil powers. I called him like a night, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good yes, night. thank you. Or good day if you're listening to this on archive. Beth already dropped the call. I forgot about this, where she just goes in there and just drops the damn call. Well, I don't Beth blame her. Our goodbyes last longer than the show does. That is goodbye.